hello and welcome to another episode of professional book girl my name is kayla and i read a ton of books so that i can recommend the best to you and today i am recommending just one book to you it is our february book club episode our book club pick was the frozen river by ariel lahan i gave it four stars i loved it i am so excited to get into it and talk to you guys about this book. I took so many notes. I just really, really enjoyed it. And it makes me so happy that so many of you told me that you also loved it. It is a very different experience from the January pick tomorrow and tomorrow and tomorrow, which I didn't like and a lot of you also didn't like. So from what I've gathered from the people who have reached out to me, it seems like I picked a winner this time and we all enjoyed it, which is very exciting. Obviously, that is not always going to happen. And I kind of think it's fun for it to sometimes not happen. But after like launching this book club and not loving the first pick, I'm very excited to come on and talk about a book that I love so much. So if you are just tuning in today, this is a book club episode, which means that this is going to contain spoilers for The Frozen River. I am basically going to run down the list of that I of notes that I took while I was reading this and they are very like super vague like one of them just says this idiot wanting a son so I'm going to go through those points they are the live reaction thoughts I had as I was reading this book and in the process of doing so we'll be talking about what happens in the book kind of in the order of events so I guess it's time to just jump right into it um I want to talk first, I guess I'll talk about why I chose this book. So actually, I was sent this by the author months and months ago. This came out in November and I had it, I think, in around September. And um, the way it works with a lot of the big publishers, they have influencer programs and you'll get sent a newsletter once a month and you can choose which books you want. And when I saw that this one was on there, I am familiar with the author. I will talk in a second about my experience with her other books. I... Um, I wasn't immediately drawn to this book. I actually thought that I probably wouldn't like it, but I was like, do you know what? Let me just get it and we'll see. Maybe um, maybe I'll end up liking it. Sometimes if I think that a book might end up being like a book of the month pick or one of the big like GMA or Reese's Book Club picks, I will get it because I know then I'll end up, I'll probably end up wanting to read it further down the line. So I got this book and I had it for a few months and I honestly was like, had no desire to pick it up until when it finally came out in November, I started getting DMs from people and they were saying, hey, I think you would like this book. Like this was recommended to me many times by my followers. So people were like, I just read this and I thought of you. And I think I'm assuming it's because it's a great historical fiction that that's why people thought of me and assumed, probably assumed it was something I would have already been talking about, but I just wasn't. Um, and part of that is because of my experience with the author's other books, which I will get to in a second. But I finally, because I got so many of those messages, I was like, let me check this out. And I had it on my TBR and I actually was going to do a different pick for February. I was going to do a romance book to keep it on theme with like Valentine's Day in February. But I was looking at my TBR, my physical TBR that I keep behind me before, like as I was sitting down to pick the, to record the January book club um, episode, because I like, I will be announcing the March book club pick at the end of this episode. So I had to have it the book picked when I was going to record the January episode. And I just saw this book and I was like, you know what? I feel like this should be the one for February. And I'm so glad that I chose it. And this is actually, this is my third book from this author, but it is the first one that I enjoyed. So the first one that I read was Codename Helene. I read that um, right before COVID actually. And that is a World War II historical fiction about a real life woman working in the resistance. And my problem with that book was something that she actually does with this one, but I was a bit more prepared for it. So I think that this author just, she just drops you in. And if you don't, in, in my opinion, in my experience from her books already, if you don't know much already about the historical time period, you can be a bit confused. So Coney Moline was a World War II book. I obviously know so much about it, but actually in 2020, I wasn't like I was just starting to like really get into World War II historical fiction. And a huge part of that book is that the woman, I forgot her name, but she was like her codename was Helene. Um, she was working with the free French fighters who were the French men who like refused to fight for the Vichy government and they were obviously against the Nazis and they were like living in the forests in France and like a lot of resistance networks work with them and like you will hear stories of um like the allies like going through um England and like 
doing like air raids raids and quotes where they would like drop supplies to these free french forces and they were kind of like the boots on the ground guerrilla warfare type guys and helene worked very closely with them and at that time i didn't know that was my first introduction to like that kind of part of world war ii and like what i love about historical fiction is like exactly that like reading something and like learning so much from it but i the way that that author but that this author did it in that book it was kind of confusing to me and i just like it it just didn't really work for me and i didn't love that book and i actually i think i covered it or just mentioned it on an early like one of the first ever episodes of books in the city and i was like i didn't like it and i actually remember talking about it because it was like the last time that we recorded before COVID hit. Um, but one thing I always remember from that book, so the real person, she like knew early on, like she saw what the Nazis were doing and she just knew something was going to happen. Like she had a feeling that we were going to have a big war and she started like stockpiling food and she ended up having once like Fran- France was like under occupation and they it was hard to get food she had so much food and supplies because she had been stockpiling them for years so i read that and then COVID hit and i kept thinking about that about how because that was when remember when we couldn't get toilet paper i was like oh my god like she would have been so prepared um the other one though i'm not i'm saying quotes i read it i actually dnf'd it. it was i was um anastasia which is a historical fiction about a woman claiming to be anastasia romanov the lost quote lost princess and I just could not get into that, which was disappointing because I like reading and learning about the Romanovs. So that's part of why I was nervous to pick this one up, but I'm excited that this really worked for me. That being said, I thought that this was a little bit of a slow start. I think some of that though is my mood, which is something to always keep in mind when like anyone, not even just me, is talking about how they felt while reading a book. I started reading this Um so I have two I have two roommates and part of living with other people is that and like it's not like when you're with a family and like maybe one person is making dinner for everybody we like have to take shifts in the kitchen for cooking. So I had planned on going into the kitchen and then like my roommate beat me to it and I had to wait obviously for my turn in the kitchen and I was so hungry. So I was like okay while well, I'm waiting I might as well start this book because I actually was a little bit worried. I wanted to finish this before I was leaving for um a bachelorette trip. So I was like I need to get this book in. Like I had 2 days to read it which it ends up not being a problem because I kind of put it down but so I was like let me just like get some pages in while I'm waiting but I was so so hangry when I started this book that I was like, this is a slow start, but maybe that was just me. It was a me problem. Um, I also, my next note just says Felicity, who is one of my American Girl dolls. She was my second American Girl doll, and I was obsessed with her. When I was growing up, I was really, really obsessed with learning about the American Revolution. That was probably my like first niche historical obsession. And as an adult, I'm always so excited when there's a really great historical fiction that comes out about this time period. Obviously, the American Revolution had already taken place. This book opens up in 1789, but is like the immediate post-war, like Paul Revere has mentioned multiple times. So um, it is like still very top of mind. And I just like really want more books set in this time period. So like I said, this opens up in Maine in 1789, and my first note is this idiot wanting a son. So it opens up. Our main character is Martha Ballard, and she is working as a midwife, and well, she is a midwife, and she is attending this birth, and the husband is like making such a big deal that he wants a son, and it ends up being a daughter, and the mother is a little bit disappointed, and the father is like very disappointed, and I was just like... I mean, as a woman, I like that has to always be frustrating to read, you know. And I'm actually currently reading a book by Alison Ware about Catherine of Aragon, so it's like super top of mind because that poor woman went through so much because she did not have a son. But we all know it was freaking Henry VIII's fault that he didn't have a son. Well, he ended up having one son, but um, it's just like so frustrating to me when that when I read things like that and I just like the women get so upset and they're like blaming themselves for not being a boy and it's like it's not even your fault but they just wouldn't know that you know um and then my next note I wrote childbirth back then was so scary I think I don't have kids I think that's obvious but I think childbirth now is so scary let alone in the 1700s like Actually, though, Martha seemed so great, and I feel like she would, like, make the situation better even if she was around now helping you, but I just can't imagine doing it back then when, like, there is no 
technology involved. And I tell myself all the time whenever I'm like in pain or something, I'm always like, women gave birth in caves. <laughs> like how how did that happen? But like I can deal with like my paper cut, you know, because women gave birth in caves. Very soon after that opening birth scene, we kind of get right into the thick of it with this book. The main the plot point, if you – I honestly don't think this was the main plot point. It was like a central event in the book, but there's so many other things at play. Um, but this – a body was found in the river, and it was this guy, Burgess. I'm probably saying that wrong, but I, we hate him, so I'm going to say it like that. Um, and he is an accused rapist, and he has now been found killed. And Martha, since her role as a midwife, she's also like a healer in the town. She is called to the local pub, which I just thought was funny, to um, not identify the body, but to kind of like examine it as a medical examiner and determine cause of death. And right away, she is like, he was killed because there are rope necks on his neck rope uh marks on his neck and she, we learned that like because there are some flashback chapters where we learn martha's story but so we learned through those that she knows what someone who has been hanged looks like and she is like he it's murder um and it actually though became interesting to me because she ends up becoming super insistent and i'm getting a little bit ahead of myself but she becomes insistent on he was murdered he was murdered he was murdered and i found that to be a bit interesting because through that she was kind of implicating herself her friend who was the victim of the rape and and, and then her sons like i kind of thought that she would not be ha happy that they were like oh it was an accident like um no one killed him like she was really pushing them that it was murder which caused them to open up this investigation that then cost her life to be kind of turned upside down i think it speaks to her um what's the word i'm looking for like not sense of justice, but she like has very strong morals, I guess, between what's right and wrong. And then she just like had to call out this is what actually happened. And she was very strong and she like stood in that conviction. Um, the next thing that I wrote, I and this is something that I it stayed with me throughout the whole book. I struggled to keep track of the characters. There were so many names and a lot of the names were similar. I, years ago, I read somewhere that authors will not have characters with like a name that starts with the same letter but this threw that out the window there was a sally there was a sarah and i just kept getting confused of who they were and it actually ended up helping me since i was taking notes for this episode i would like go back to my notes and be like okay wait this one was this person and that she already did that and that is why this is happening whatever so anyway we're at the pub where the body is and she has just like given her take that she thinks that he has been killed and they end up having kind of the court system in this book was confusing to me and this was um i learned in the author's note at the end in the historical note that this is in part of like this is like how it was before there was like a federal court system i guess i don't i don't know i'm not a lawyer but i just assume like because this is post-revolution that it would just be like how it is now. But I guess before they were doing a lot of work <laughs> after they won the war. Um, so there's like a court of common struggles and like I'm making this up and then like a court of peers. It was like two things like that. So this is like the court of just like like the town court. And it seemed very – it was so strange. Like people could just be like, oh, she said something bad about me. And then all of a sudden it's the crucible and you're on trial and you have to like pay all this money because you were gossiping. I would – be probably killed um but so they are at this panel and the people like they're talking about the murder what happened and whatever and they kind of are saying that they're asking her opinion and she says i think he was murdered and then we find out that there is a new doctor in town and he is a harvard graduate and he is a man and he says that he doesn't think it was murder it was like they just assume he fell in the river and drowned and died. So everyone like believes him because he's a man and he went to Harvard. And right away I was like, antennas up, like who the fuck is this guy? Um, why are they all, I mean, you, it's obvious why they believed him all over Martha, but it just really annoyed me. Um, and then my next note, it just what I, what I already said, I thought she would have been relieved that they weren't saying it was a murder just because it ends up blowing her whole life up. So then this – I wrote this bitch, Sally. So she – she <laughs> – I'm trying to – 
Okay, so I've spoken of this before. When I read, I picture everything in my head as a movie. And when I'm talking about it, I start re-picturing the movie in my head. So I, when I just said this bitch Sally, I had a flashback scene to Martha visiting her friend who was the victim of the rape. So basically what happened before the book opened was that this woman, and I forgot her name, I'm sorry, oh, Rebecca, was home one night. Her husband is a pastor and he was out of town. And North, who we fucking hate, and the guy Burgess, who was the one that is now dead, um, North is like in charge of the town. Like he's not the mayor, but he's the mayor and he sits on this court and his like he like owns a bunch of different parts of the town and he's trying to like get further control over everything and he just wants to be in charge and he's like evil and we hate him. And Rebecca was home alone one night and Burgess and North kind of pretty much like forced their way into her house and brutally raped her. And this now so then this hap- this happens and Rebecca ends up calling Martha to help take care of her after because she was in such bad shape from the attack. And Sally was working as like a maid in Rebecca's house. And she was like over, she overheard what Martha and Rebecca were saying. And Rebecca said, like, I wish it was my husband who killed Burgess. Burgess. But I'm going to say it differently every time, but you know who I'm talking about. And Sally, this little bitch, takes that and she goes to this court where they all will just believe anything, honestly, except the truth. And is like, oh, it was Rebecca's husband who killed him because she said, like, I heard her say that my husband killed him. But then Martha's like, no, she said she wishes her husband killed him, which like none of them had an issue with her saying that she wished it. Um, They just, they were just listening to the thing that Sally said. And then Martha is like, no, I know that she, her proof. So then all of a sudden it's in this court that Rebecca was raped by Burgess and North, who is like sitting at the head of this court. And this is all happening in the pub. And she is like, um, she's like, I can prove it because Martha keeps a journal where she writes in it every single day. She'll write the weather. She'll write if she was at home and she'll write any births that she attended to any like patients she had anything that's going on. And she had recorded months ago when the rape took place what happened and then she's able to prove though that she didn't just like write it in there and on that day to have evidence because the diary is very much filled after that date so they believe that and it's interesting because i feel like now that just would not really um i don't know like i said i'm not a lawyer maybe that would hold up in court but i feel like no one would like take that super seriously um but it it was very frustrating to see that nothing really has changed when it comes to a rape case. But I wrote next, it's crazy that they're airing private things out like in this town court. Um, so any though, anyway, though, the Sally says that and now it just opens up this can of worms and now it kind of like explode. This case explodes and they're like, this has to be tried with a bigger court. And they're like everyone's up in arms about it and they're like who killed Burgess then and obviously like a lot of the fall goes on Rebecca and her husband because also that bitch Sally said the lie and Rebecca is so distraught and we find out that she is pregnant from as a result of the rape and she is just so upset about it and it was like so so hard to read about Rebecca and the, the the attack and her plight and I had not heard I feel like especially on bookstagram it's very Usually you see when there are content warnings um, for something like that. And I I didn't realize that a rape would be like so central to this story. And it kind of was bringing up memories of when I read Know My Name by Chanel. I think her last name is Miller. She was the victim in the uh, Stanford rape case. And it was just like really hard, hard to read. But at the same time, I feel like, like that's like definitely the main plot is like, this court case is happening. But why I said in the beginning why I think it's like not the main plot really because this very much felt like just being like in the day-to-day of this town because so many other things are happening. We're following Martha as she's going on all of these spurts where there's all this drama that comes up with the new doctor. I'm going to get into all that as we keep going on. Um, she's trying to like set up her kids and her daughters are falling in love. And it's just like it, it very much felt like – um very complete 
if that makes sense. Like you weren't, you were really thrown into this world and got to see so much of it. It wasn't just like narrowed in on this one thing that was happening. And I really liked that. And I think that's why I really grew to love Martha as much as I did because you got to see her in so many different roles. You saw her as a midwife, obviously, um, as a friend, as a, someone fighting for justice in this case, but then also as a mother and a wife and her and her husband loved each other so much. I was like, good for them. Um, and yeah, and I thought that she was so modern and so ahead of her time. And this, I kept thinking like, it's very, it was very interesting to me that they didn't say she was a witch like I really got crucible vibes from everything going on in like the pub court um but it was like kind of pleasantly surprising to see a woman in this time period being so modern especially with medicine and with fighting for justice for a rape not be accused of witchcraft and they so many of them value her opinion you see that as all of the drama plays out with the harvard doctor how they realize that she is the one that they should be trusting and i thought that was really cool um and then i mentioned earlier there were these time jumps back in time so the first one happens and we time travel back in time 35 years and this basically happens in small vignettes throughout the story where we will it's like 35 years 20 years maybe less than that. And this is where we kind of start to see Martha's story. So we learn that when, how she mentioned in the beginning, she has seen a body that has been hanged. It is because she was abused and she was a victim of a rape and that man was hanged. And she, we, they don't fully, they don't explicitly say what happened, but in these like little bits and pieces, you catch the gist of it. And what I took away from it was that he was caught in the act and there was no way that they could say like there wasn't enough evidence to convict him and so he was hanged for that and her who became her husband like took her to see it happen because she wanted to i guess and then they're like let's get married tonight at your parents house and then they go and they like like they love each other so much. It's really sweet. And then we see how she becomes a midwife. And because the original midwife in the town is like, you you freak out the least out of all the women that I've helped like deliver. Um, and then you learn about like she's had so many kids and a few of them had passed away from illness. And you kind of like see that as it happens all through these little um, flashback chapters throughout the book as this story is going on. Another big thing in, I guess this is like a huge symbol throughout the story is the silver fox. So in town one day, she hears these guys saying that they saw a silver fox um, on her land and they were like, we're going to they wanted to kill it because its fur would be worth a lot of money. And she gets upset about that and she ends up seeing it. And her and this fox just have this connection. And the fox comes up again through like throughout the book and she will see it. And they kind of like stare at each other. And I really liked that her husband wasn't making her feel ridiculous for having this connection to this fox. And he was kind of like he agreed with her and he said it too. And obviously the fox kind of ends up saving her in the end when she has this big um, physical conflict with North, which we will get to. So I keep mentioning this doctor and my note I wrote for him is this fucker. I hated this guy so, so much. And it's just like, I, he reminds, like I, most of the historical fiction I read takes place in Europe, specifically England. And he reminded me of all the doctors that I see come about in those ones. Cause they're all the freaking same idiocy. Oh my God. So he shows up, she's at this birth and I think the girl's name was Grace, the one that is giving birth and Martha's there and it's like slow. The baby's not coming right away. It's going slowly. And the mom starts to like, to think that maybe they should call this doctor in because he would know more because he's a Harvard doctor. So he comes and he knocks her out. He knocks the woman out with not chloroform, but actually Queen Victoria, when she was giving birth, would be knocked out with chloroform. Um, Laud him, laud him, if that's how you say it. I don't know. But he basically drugs her like so much that Martha's like, you're going to kill her. And she passes out and then she finally wakes up and she's like throwing up and she's so out of it. And she, they end up kicking him out of the room, thank God. And they, like, Martha helps deliver the baby safely. And 
Martha says to her, like the first thing that you, she asks all of the, her patients to trust her. And she always asks the women their name. And as she's fighting with this Harvard doctor, she says like, did you even ask her her name? And in quotes, he says, her name is irrelevant. Excuse me? Like, are you fucking kidding me? You're, first of all, you're doing the most intimate thing. You are helping her give birth. But beyond that, any one of your patients, why would you not ask their name? Like, it just, like, proved to me, like, they don't even, like, it was like they didn't even care about the mother. It was like the mother was just a vehicle to get these asshole men their sons. And it pissed me off so much. And I loved how much Martha hated him. And this is another quote. She says, I closed the door in his face. And I wrote that. And then there's a whole string of clapping emojis after that. I was so happy when I, when I read that. I hated him so, so much. Um, and his, his influence is not done with that because then like all these women start turning on Martha and because of stuff going on in the case and trusting this asshole idiot doctor. And then they end up losing their babies because of that, because he has no idea what he is doing. Another thing that pissed me off is that women can't testify in court without their father or husband present. And I wrote, I cannot, I know, but so I cannot, like, I know. What did I write? I cannot, like, I know, but so shocking to see it, like, which I meant I cannot. I know that that I knew that that's what was happening, but it is so shocking to see it in action. So what ends up happening back at with the court case now, um, Martha's husband was like called away on business, and they're supposed to be meeting. I don't think it it was Boston; it was in another city, or maybe it was Boston. I don't know. But the bigger court now it's like out of the the pub court, and now it's in the like state court. Let's say, although that's not what it's called, um, and she is going to testify on Rebecca's behalf in this case against Burgess, who is dead, and North, who is like the mayor, the evil mayor. And her husband, though, is like late on the road and not there yet. And she's like thinking that she won't be able to testify, which also is ridiculous because in the pub court, she's allowed to testify there because she is seen as like a person of medicine and she's allowed to give testimony for that. And she even brings that up. She's like, oh, I can testify for this, but I can't just testify here. It is so ridiculous. But thank God the husband showed up in time and she was able to give her evidence to the court. And then we also learn another flashback chapter happens and we learn that her husband is the one who taught her to read and write, which I thought was really sweet. Um, and I loved that. I really liked the husband and I liked that he wasn't super central to the story. Like he was very much a side character. This is Martha's story. But I love that he encouraged how modern she was, you know, and that like a lot of husbands in this time would like to keep their wives ignorant and illiterate. And he was not like that. He wanted her to learn how to read and write. The next thing I wrote is that I've never heard of this homecoming thing. So I don't know if anybody else was confused by this. Basically what this was, was they would get married and then they wouldn't like consummate the marriage right away. Like they would go would they even live together right away? I don't know, but like they weren't like doing anything for a while. So Martha and her husband got married and then like nothing happened for months. And I, but I thought it was sweet how she talks about the way that it actually did happen specifically after we knew that she was a victim of a sexual assault. And obviously she needed time to come to terms with being able to do that, um, to be able to be intimate with her husband. But I had never seen that home. It was the term used is homecoming. I never seen that before in any of the historical fiction that I read or in school. The next, my next little note was I just had a feeling that something was up with Sam and May. So as the book goes on, this all of a sudden Martha starts hearing the doctor is back in town. And this is a black woman who travels around the area and she every like few months will show up in town and people go to her kind of for medicine and for healing. And the doctor and Martha are not really they're not friends but they're like friends because they do the same thing and the doctor ends up saying to martha people come to me because if they don't want to disappoint you so martha goes there one day to see the doctor and she's also questioning things because she was at rebecca who remember rebecca is now pregnant 
with her rapist child and she saw these herbs herbs whatever you want to say it at rebecca's and she was like she didn't get this from me and she thinks that rebecca may have gotten it from her native american friends because that was also part of why she was raped and i also thought that this was so interesting um rebecca was close friends with the native american tribe that lived locally and north hated that and hated that she was bringing them into the town because he fought in the French and Indian War. And he was like, we did all this work to clear the savages. That was his word, not mine, out of town. And she's just bringing them back. So that means that she deserves to be brutally raped. Like, okay, fuck you. I literally hate you so much. He, he got what he deserved in the end. But anyway, back at the doctor. Martha goes there because she wants to talk about what she found at Rebecca's and she sees Sam and May. And when did we meet May? I don't know. There's so there's so many characters, like I was saying, it is hard to keep track. But they Sam and May are now married, and I thought that they were cute, uh, even though I can't remember anything about them now. And she I just thought, I just was like a little antenna up. I was like, something kind of weird is going on here. And I was like, I'm going to keep my eye on Sam specifically. I was just a little bit unsure. So then the trial comes back up and Rebecca gives her testimony. And this is where we learn the full events of what happened during the rape. And this was so, like I said before, horrifying and so hard and upsetting to read. I, it's crazy to me. It's crazy in that like, I mean, it's not crazy, but it is crazy that she had she was able to say it all with such strength and conviction with one of the men that did it to her in the room. I'm so glad she was able to, and it is a testament to her strength. Um, I it was just like the fact that she even had to do that was so horrible. So now that like this is what I mean though when I say that like the trial wasn't everything because there's a bunch of, now we've got a bunch of other side pods popping up. So now we're talking about Martha's children. So she has two sons. Well, there's a few other sons, but the two sons we're going to talk about right now are Cyrus and Jonathan. Jonathan, I right away was like, something's up with him. And Martha was also like, something's up with him. It was, it was kind of obvious that like Cyrus, she liked Cyrus more. Cyrus was mute. Um, and I, in the also, I didn't mention this, but this is all based on a real woman and a real story, which I did not realize until I finished reading it, which just makes all of it so much – it's, like, cooler, especially given how modern she was. But Cyrus is mute, and in the author's note, it is – obviously, there is no proof of this, but it's kind of assumed that he he had, like, scarlet fever or something like that, and he didn't speak after, after he recovered from it. And a few of her other children – like passed away from that same fever so cyrus though like seems like a great guy he just can't speak and then there's this girl sarah in town who when the local militia were in town which is like it's given pride and prejudice she fell in love with this guy and they did not get married but she became pregnant and she now has a child and she is totally seen as an outcast in society and there's this scene where Martha's in the general store and Sarah is also in there and she overhears these women like gossiping and talking shit about her and it was like you just felt so bad for Sarah then Martha's like I'm gonna get her and Cyrus together and she teaches Martha how to read and write so that way she would be able to write notes to Cyrus and I just I thought that was really cute even though Sarah's guy came back I was happy he came back but I did want her with Cyrus and I really liked it this was just like a very quick thing that happened but I thought it was really cute when Sarah was like doing the primers and learning how to read and how excited she got I just thought that was a sweet moment but then Cyrus is arrested because earlier in the book we found out the night that this guy was killed a little bit before that there was this local party and like all the young people in town were there and the guy Burgess who is the one that ended up dead tried to dance with one of Martha's daughters and he was very forceful about it and Cyrus was like get away from my sister and they got into like a scuffle and that is what like everybody in town that was their last like last time they saw this guy alive was him fighting with Cyrus. So obviously this is part of why I kept saying in the beginning, I couldn't believe she wanted it to be murder because she knew her son fought with him that night. Like she could have guessed they were going to arrest the son. Also, then he goes to a jail yard, which 
I guess I had heard about before, but it was like you could like go out and work and then go back to jail. And it was just like, it seemed very like not jail to me. And it reminded me of weekend jail. So some of you listening are going to know exactly what I'm talking about. And the other half are probably going to be like, you're insane. I spent five hours last weekend watching the 50-part TikTok series, Who the Fuck Did I Marry? This woman basically married a pathological liar back in 2020, and she made this TikTok series. It is 50 parts there. Each video is 10 minutes long. I watched it on 2x speed. She is an amazing storyteller. That is why I kept watching. The story itself is insane, but the way she tells it, you literally cannot stop. Like I was up until 3 a.m. watching it, and then the next morning, I opened my eyes, and I had to finish it. Like I could not stop watching it. The story is so insane. There are these twists and turns, but basically she, when she found out everything her husband ever told her was a lie, she also found out that before they met, he was going to weekend jail. So this is a thing in Georgia, maybe in other states where you can like work during the week and then just go to jail on the weekends. And that's how you can like serve your time, which I never heard of, but I had just learned that and then was reading about the jail yard. And I was like, this is so giving, like who the fuck did I marry? Highly recommend watching it because I have a feeling it will be a documentary or something. And then you can say that you watch the original version. The woman's handle on TikTok is Rasatessa. But anyway, my next notes are about the births. So I liked reading about the births. I think I really liked, I mean, it, it was also so stressful because like giving birth giving birth period, but giving birth back then. Oh my God. So scary. It gave me called the midwife vibes, which I used to watch a show. I never finished it. Um, but I, I liked the camaraderie with the women in the room and I don't know. I, I just really enjoyed those scenes. I liked seeing Martha and her element. And then the next big drama happens, North escapes. So he's obviously on trial for this rape now and he just fucks off and he escapes. And it kind of seemed like he wasn't going to come back. We learned that he, well, like the story is that he went off to Boston um, to do something, but he, he does come back as we know in the end. And then Martha is like, huh, what was in, first of all, Martha is like the town doctor, the the main detective like she's really keeping this place afloat she is like has her detective cap on now and she was like huh what is in burgess's bag because also we learned in the beginning that he when he raped rebecca he ripped off a piece of lace from her shift and used it to tie his hair back and then he kept the lace as a memento and also this is why my antenna was up about sam because he had a piece of lace so i was like huh, I'm on, I'm on the case. Um, but so she goes back to the, she goes to the body, which I feel like the body just shouldn't be in an outhouse where anyone could go see it, but she goes to see it and she goes through his bag and she finds the lace and then a whole bunch of letters that I actually never got what they said, but I wrote in my notes, the plot thickens and she is so risky taking the letters. So then the next thing that happens is the asshole doctor, oh, guess what? His wife is pregnant and she's giving birth and it is not going well. And Martha ends up being called to save his wife and his baby. And she basically says to him in the end, like in exchange, and she didn't want to go at first, which it was a little bit interesting to me because she has such a strong conviction of like, I always do the morally correct thing. But then with this, she was like, nope, like you've uh you've been fucking up you've been fucking around in my town like whatever i'm not gonna help your wife but she goes and she saves the wife's life and the baby's life but then she says to him you can never touch a woman in this town again and because he was humbled by the fact that he learned that he was an idiot um and she saved she saved the life their lives so then we have a bunch of court scenes coming up um, which were very stressful to read. Um, and this is when I really was thinking of the book Know My Name and the Stanford Rape Case because nothing has changed since the judge said about North, in quotes, will you ruin the life of a good man? Literally, fuck off. And of course, North ends up getting away with it, which I knew he would. I actually was surprised to see a rape actually go to trial in this time period um because even today like we just don't see we don't see that so the story moves on though and we learn that sally that little bitch sally who started all of this trouble is pregnant and it's jonathan's baby and that i was like 
I knew, I knew Jonathan was going to be up to no good at some point in the story. So then, um, whatever, like the trial had ended and things are kind of wrapping up. And she talks about her journal and the journal was such an important part of the trial, but us knowing that she was a real woman and we are reading her story in 2024 with excerpts from her journal, she says in quotes, in her journal, I have done nothing remarkable, not by the standards of history, which I thought was just so sad. And I can see why she would think that. But here we are hundreds of years later, reading her story. And all of this, we have all this information because of how she recorded history and what she was seeing. So I just thought that was like an interesting little um, like antidote thrown in there. So now she's at North's house because his wife has really bad migraines and she originally was not helping her, but now she's like, whatever, I'll help you. So she gives her the medicine and then she goes into North's study, which I was obsessed with her spying. And she basically finds out that this bastard is trying to steal her family's land. So when they moved to the land that they lived on, on this mill, they, the deal was if you live there and work, if you live and work the land after 12 years, it'll be yours. And they are approaching the 12 years. And she finds out that North is, is basically working to undermine that and to steal the land. So now she's on to him. Um, and this is when it's just like, like he already was so evil, obviously, but it's like so sinister. Like, oh, like I hate him. And then Rebecca ends up giving birth and this was just so heartbreaking and sad. And she tells Martha to throw the baby in the river. And obviously Martha did not do that. She brought the baby to Sarah, who was the unwed mother, and she helps to take care of her. And we don't end up finding out if she keeps the baby. That is one thing I would have been interested to see, like what was that baby's fate? Um, but we do learn that Sarah's guy comes back and he wasn't with North. So what was mentioned earlier in the trial was that he basically Sarah's baby daddy was North's alibi for the night of the rape. But he is like, I wasn't with him that night. I was in like he was in Boston or something. So now she's like, huh, like we got you North. And then she goes home and North is in her workstation and he is like, now I'm going to rape you. I've never said the word rape so many times in my entire life, but they get into a fight and she cuts his dick off and I was screaming. Like I did not see that coming, but it was like, that is what you fucking deserve. You bastard. I hate you. And then because this is so Grace Anatomy, because she like took the oath of healing, she heals him enough to save his life. Obviously, like this isn't a fantasy. It wasn't growing back, but she saves his life in the end. And then um, I just wrote, okay, Paul Revere using their horse because she would very casually mention sometimes her husband's friend, Paul, and they're, they're talking about Paul Revere again. And she, we learned that during his famous um, ride, one if I land, two if I see, he borrowed their, their horse to do that ride. That is something that actually happened. And I was like, okay, that is just like such a fun, crazy little fact of history that I love. Like, I love when you learn like ridiculous little historical things like that. Then we end up learning that obviously Burgess was murdered and it was by Sam and Jonathan. And it was because I knew something was up with May. It's because May was another victim of Burgess. And that is why Sam had lace in his pocket. He also stole the lace from May. And I guess Sam took it back when they killed him. So that was my final little note. The next are kind of, these are just my thoughts on it. I gave this four stars. I loved it. Once I finally got into it, I could not stop reading it. I stayed up so late reading it, which like I have said on previous episodes, I always stay up late reading, but this one I was really like, I need to go to bed at midnight and I stayed up until like 1.30. I just couldn't put it down. I got so lost in it. Like time stopped existing, which is my favorite feeling when reading a book. I love that so much of it was real. Um, I wrote 75% real and maybe that is, I think I took that from the author's note. And then we learn in the author's note that the real rape that took place was even worse. Three men raped Rebecca over the course of, three men raped her three times over the course of a week, which it is just like the way when you read this, it is hard to imagine that it was even worse in real life. And it's so fucked up, like horrible. I read the author's note, which people who don't read the author's note, guys, you have to read the author's note because you learn all of these interesting tidbits. So she goes through kind of like facts and fiction 
of the real Martha Ballard. And we actually learned that she is the great aunt to Clara Barton, who was the woman who founded the Red Cross, which I just thought was another little fun, interesting tidbit of history. I really, really loved this. I think it would work so well as like a mini series TV show because there were so many interesting things happening with the townspeople. Like I would watch a full show about Sarah and her militia man, uh, let alone everything else happening here. Like I just really, really love this. And this is my favorite thing with historical fiction. Specifically, I guess you could say this is a biographical fiction since it is about Martha's life. I love when we get to learn about these real life women who were doing amazing things. Like Martha said in her journal, she did not think her life was in any way remark remarkable by the standards of history. And here we are today. All of us read this book. Most, I'm assuming all of us loved it. I was so touched by her and her story. And I'm so happy so many of you guys loved it as well. We do have some listener thoughts that I will read through now. Um, actually, I'm only going to read one of them. The first one comes from Malia Reads on Bookstagram, and she says, I am completely obsessed with this book, Five Stars. I can already tell you it will be one of my best reads of the year, and I read it in January. It is the ultimate sweet spot of my favorite era of historical fiction, an incredibly inspiring main character, a murder mystery, and a portrait of a loving marriage. I could not put it down and I'm on the hunt for similar vibes. It gave me some Hour of the Witch by Chris Bonholland. I totally messed it up vibes minus the loving marriage dot 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 which i also absolutely loved will be anxiously awaiting your recommendation for similar books i actually don't i've never read anything so similar enough to recommend but like i said i'm on the hunt for more historical fiction of this time period now we have two um audio reviews that i will play for you now our first audio thoughts review comes from amanda who is amanda the bookish librarian on bookstagram Hi, Kayla. It's Amanda. I just finished The Frozen River. I did like the book. Let's start there. I probably would have not picked it up if it wasn't your book club pick. So thank you for that. I will say I did find it longer than it needed to be, but also at the same time, don't know what information really could have been cut to make it shorter. Um, one of the things I liked was that it was historical fiction, but it had a mystery element to it. Also, which was really cool um i loved that it wasn't super predictable um because like i kind of figured that north didn't kill burgess but also didn't know who did it like i was surprised that it was sam but then when it was jonathan who did it with sam i wasn't so surprised that it was him and not cyrus um so i always love when it's like semi-predictable but not predictable so i like that the author did that um when it comes to the characters overall i mean i definitely dislike north and that other like male doctor and the characters you were supposed to dislike when it comes to the rest i don't i didn't really like them but i didn't dislike them either but overall i'm glad i read it it's like i said something i probably would have not picked up normally but it was something I enjoyed. Uh, yeah, so that's it. Um, thank you for picking this for your book club pick, and I can't wait to read the next one. Thank you, Amanda, for submitting your thoughts. I love how we all were like, oh, yeah, Jonathan definitely was up to something. And I agree that it was long, but I also agree I'm not sure what could have been taken out to shorten it up a bit. I think that it was paced well, though. The next audio review comes from Charlotte. Kayla and professional book girl listeners, my name is Charlotte, aka Sharshar.reads on Bookstagram, and I am talking about how I feel about the Frozen River for this month's book club. I rated it five stars. I loved it. It I kept wanting to come back to it and read it more and more and more. And I loved how the story evolved. Um, also the two different timelines, I'm a sucker for that, um, in any type of book. And that just sucked me in. I wanted to get to know all the characters more and more, but the one character that I was really surprised that I was very interested in was actually the river itself. I loved how Ariel wrote it, whereas 
we're beginning to know the story early on and the river is frozen. And as it goes on through winter and like getting earlier into spring, it's slowly defrosting as we get to know more and more information. And I just love that um, kind of like analogy and phrase in, in things in books where it's not really an actual character, but a object or a place or a thing is its own unit in a book. Um, and it just made me fall in love with the book so much more. I loved how um, detailed Ariel was in her writing and how much um, thought and time she put into that research. You know that she'd researched a ton for this book to make sure it was as historically accurate as it could be from having records from that time. And I'm just, this was my first book by her, so I can't read to read more by her because I loved how she put this one in place. So yeah, that's my, how I feel about uh, the Frozen River and for this month's book club. Thanks so much. Okay. I agree about the river and I obviously I'm like, I'm not a nature girl. I feel like maybe we all know that. Um, I, that honestly didn't cross my mind, uh, which doesn't surprise me, but that I love that you call that out and it makes the story kind of make more sense. And obviously the book, you know, it's named after the frozen river. So thank you guys so much for submitting your thoughts. I think it's really fun to add them, um, add the audio into the episode. I now am going to announce our March book club pick. So March is famously my least favorite month ever, but I am so excited about this book club pick. I actually, so I decided late last night because I think of everything in the middle of the night to make this the book club pick. So the March pick is Listen for the Lie by Amy Tintera. This does not come out until March 5th. I was very hesitant to choose a book that is coming out this month, but I am so excited to read it. It is a, a thriller with like true crime and there is a podcast element. So I thought it would be really fun and meta to have a book about a podcast be the podcast book club pick. I have been seeing so many bookstagrammers that I trust love this book. I have a feeling it is going to be one of the big thrillers at least of the month. Um, I, I don't know this yet, but I wouldn't be surprised if we see it picked as a book club pick elsewhere. So it comes out on the 5th. I do feel a little bad doing that because if you were going to be getting the books from the library, I you I want to hear from you guys how you feel about me doing brand new releases as the book club picks. I want to make it as easy as easily accessible to all of you, but I don't want to shy away from the exciting new monthly releases. So I think so far we've done a good job of having like backlist titles, but for March it is a brand new release. It is Listen for the Lie. And we will be discussing it. I'm playing up my calendar. We will be discussing it on March 28th. So we have a few weeks to get our hands on the books. I haven't read it yet either. I was actually going to read it this week, but when I decided it would be the book club pick, I was like, okay, I'll wait because I want my thoughts to be fresh. But I am so excited to read it. If you want to be included in that episode, please get your thoughts to me by Tuesday, March 26th Um, because I will probably record the episode on the 27th and then it'll be up for you guys on the 28th. Thank you so much for reading along with me. If you did, for just listening, if you have just listened. Um, I'm, I really love doing the book club and I'm so happy that so many of you guys are really excited about it too. Uh, please make sure you are following, subscribe to everything you have to do on whatever podcast platform you are listening on. Follow me on Instagram at carewatt. Follow the show at Professional Book Girl. And I will see you on Monday. You don't even have to wait a full week this time. <laughs>